On today's Sports and Rec, we talk about the NFL playoffs and off-season updates, trades in the NBA, and the HBO Tiger Doc. We also brought along two friends with us, Todd and Steve. Hope you enjoy the pod. Sports and Rec. I'm Anthony Restivo alongside Casey McGarvey. Today is Friday, January 22nd. We've also brought along two friends with us today, recurring guest and our resident golf expert, Steve, and a newcomer who has promised the hottest takes and asked to be introduced as El Fuego, Todd, which after that like introduction to the lead with the name Todd seems underwhelming at, at at best but uh uh welcome to the show guys welcome uh happy to have you guys on thanks for having us appreciate it no problem uh we're gonna dive right I'm into what was that well, i said i'll try to bring the fire <laughs> I'm sure you will uh, so we're going to dive right into the NFL. Uh, we got the playoffs going on right now. Two big matchups this weekend. Chiefs versus Bills, Packers versus Bucks. Uh, some interesting games happened over the weekend. Browns pulled a, almost pulled off an upset on the Chiefs. Mahomes went down in the third quarter there. Uh, Bills, Ravens, not a super exciting game, but relatively close um, until Jackson also went out and also threw a pick six. Packers handled their business. Bucks generally handled the business there. So what are everyone's initial reactions to the matchups and the previous games? Casey, I'll start with you. I think it worked out kind of as expected. Not the best showing for Jackson. I was a little underwhelmed and disappointed by that, um, not being able to put it together in another game. Um, Breeze, meh, the Saints not great. I don't think that was a great game in general. I think the Packers are going to roll – uh, over the Bucks in that matchup, I and mean, we're going to get the Chiefs Bucks matchup. It looks like Mahomes will play, so still lining up for the the Chiefs Packers matchup that everybody was expecting at the start of the playoffs. Yeah, Todd, what about you? Um, yeah, same sentiments. I I thought that would uh, Jackson would be a little better. Um, I you know they the Ravens were steamrolling bad teams at the end of the year, like week after week. It was like the Jags. The Bengals, the Browns, like just rolling over them. They came like a little disrespected. I thought they would be better than than what people are giving them credit for. Um, and then the, the NFC games were, I mean, what what we expected. You know, Tom Brady's gonna win. Actually. I I didn't think Breeze and the Saints would be as bad as they were, but we'll see. Now 
I'm hoping it's Mahomes, but if my boy Chad Henney gets a chance at a at a title game, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't hate to watch that. <laughs> I would give them zero percent chance if Chad Henney plays Whoa. more more than five minutes in that game. <laughs> uh, Steve, what about you? Any surprises or thoughts there? Yeah, no, I thought uh, you know I think from the Ravens game, I'm taking away the Bills just. I thought they came in looking like a buzzsaw. They probably should have lost to Indy. Uh, you know, Tucker misses two field goals. They get a weird pick six to hang on versus uh, Baltimore. They clearly can't run the ball or aren't going to try. And um, I think, you know, eventually that'll lead. As long as Mahomes obviously is playing, you get the Chiefs on that side. Um, you know, impressive fight back from the Browns, but, you know, still fell short if Mahomes is in there. I don't think that's that close. Breeze is clearly cooked. You know, I thought the Saints were going to win. They destroyed them in the regular season twice, and, you know, they show up in this game, and it's hard to win when your quarterback is that cooked. So, you know, so long to a nice career, but I think it's his time. And then I think the Packers are the most impressive team of the weekend. Uh, You know, that Rams D was really good, and I know Donald's a little banged up, but, you know, I don't think they punted until midway through the third quarter. So... I think, you know, it seems – I feel like we'll end up with an upset one way or the other, but it's hard to bet against the Packers or Chiefs at this point. Yeah, I think the key is is Mahomes playing, and I think everyone here is with the expectation that he is. I was actually a little – I thought it was just a weird thing with his neck. I was surprised that he actually had a concussion. I didn't even really think his head really had gotten hit at all, unless that field turf is, like, super hard. Um, but, yeah, I think – overblown that the game was that close. It was just Mahomes not being there. I think the Chiefs would have ran um, the Browns probably like by like double digits if they if Mahomes was able to play there the whole time. I agree with you, though. Packers seem like the best team by far right now. Uh, surprised by the Bills. They came in with so much momentum, and, and they kind of have kind of lost a lot of it, in my opinion, and especially like they were putting up 30-plus points in, in most games, and it seemed like they had like uh, like a juggernaut of an offense, and now barely put up 17 points against the the Ravens. Um, and sad send off for Breeze. I think everyone thinks this is his last season. I think he even hinted at it at some point. So sad way to go out with three three interceptions and a losing effort um, at home. So tough, but does leave some really exciting matchups. I mean, I think the Chiefs and Bills were clearly the two of the best teams uh, in the AFC. So it'll be fun to see a rematch. It's funny that these two teams, or four teams, all played each other in week six with very weird results. The Bucks absolutely crushed the Packers by 28, and then the Chiefs uh, won a relatively tight one by nine against the Bills. So um, is there any chance with Mahomes playing? Obviously, I think we think if Mahomes doesn't play, the Bills are winning that game. But is there any chance the Bills pull off the upset with Mahomes still playing? Steve, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think if – I mean, Josh Allen has still been really good for most of the year. And, again, I don't think they've played a very good game yet. Uh, the defense played pretty well against the Ravens. Um, you know, I still think they're susceptible to being run on. And they're a little soft overall. But I think anytime you have a guy like Josh Allen who's proven over the year that he can kind of make enough plays to keep up scoring-wise um, with Diggs. He's got John Brown back as well. You know, they can keep it close and hope they get the ball at the end and make the last play. But, you know, 
it's tough. I mean, the Chiefs have lost one real game this year. <laughs> right. So it's hard to say that, you know, but I think the way they lost even that Raiders one is how I think this has to go down. You score 35 plus points, you have the ball last and you scored to win. Otherwise, you know, if you give Mahomes even a minute, I'll just assume he's going to go down and score because he's done it every time. Yeah. I mean, Casey had talked about this before is we've seen Mahomes have a bad performance and they still win. So it's really hard. Like you need to have the most perfect, like, um, like game plan and like execute on everything and then have the chiefs, like have a game where he throws like three interceptions. It's a really, that's a tough team to beat with that kind of player. Um, is anyone here giving the Bucks a chance to beat the Packers this weekend? Yeah, I think they Todd, go ahead. Um, I kind of think they can. Um, I honestly don't think the Packers are that deep. Like, obviously, Devontae Adams is a freak. Nobody's guarding him. Jalen Ramsey, the best corner in football, couldn't even guard him last week. Um <laughs> Rodgers is Rodgers. That scheme that LeFleur has, like, it's working. I know they – I can't remember what they were calling it, but that new offense. Um, and I just, like, I think they have a lack of playmakers outside of those two guys on the offensive side. And the, the Bucks defense, I think, is a little underrated. Um, they started the year really hot, then they, they slowed down a little bit. But I think the last couple of weeks that their defense has played pretty well, so – I think it's going to be a lot closer game than people think. Yeah. Does anyone, is it already, is Brady already impressive for this season to have reached this level? Like would, I wasn't sure that he was going to get to even this level. So like to even be here right now, it's I'm actually really impressed with, with the season he's put up. It's an impressive year again. Um, I mean, they surrounded him with a heck of a lot of talent. So they gave an opportunity to win. I know he's had, um, him and Arians have had some issues, but that team is stacked with talent. So um, with him being a proven winner, I don't know if I'm surprised is the right word. Um, I'm more surprised that he continues to push off uh, father time and continues to lengthen his career. Um, I jumped on no pretty quick with them being the Packers, but I think Brady kind of has the same effect as LeBron as I don't bet against him or go anywhere near that. So um Hedging towards the Packers winning for sure um, would be would be surprised if the Bucks win, but also I don't know if it can be just unexpected. It's Tom Brady, so proven winner. Yeah, that's true. They uh, seem to just keep winning these ugly games all year. The Bucks, like every time, like oh they're not impressive. Oh, I like I wasn't impressed with them against Washington. Like Taylor Heineke stuck around. I wasn't. And this one's like all right, Drew Brees like threw a bunch of picks, but eventually if you keep winning, it doesn't really matter how it looks like you know they haven't really put together you know they got smoked they lose 38 to 3 or whatever it was to the bucks then they get their doors you know tyree kill has 250 yards in the first quarter against <laughs> so it seems like they kind of had these weird moments but then they generally kept finding a way so that's you know it seems like i don't know it, it seems hard to think that that would keep working but seemingly has so far yeah it's it's a tough thing, and like Casey's mentioned, Brady is a tough person to bet against. Even if we all want to, it's he's still proven it over and over again. You know why you shouldn't be doing that. Um, I think it'll be a fun matchup, though, for sure. Um, but I just want to recap to you and Todd. You brought up Henny. I had 
no expectation that they were hiking that ball on fourth down. No shot that they were going to run that play with Henny. Steve, did like no? Go ahead, Todd. Sorry. Is like he got up to the line and and he did some like hold off, like let's run the clock. Like he had said something about like running clock, and his offensive line like looked around, and then the defense was just standing around. And he was just like set go, and like quick snapped it. Like I that's balls. That, that took a lot of balls to call, to call that play. Oh, Andy Reid, that's that's his special. I mean, that play, they've ran that play on third down, fourth down all year, and they've executed it every single time. It's like the most perfect play. They don't even need to have that deception, which you were talking about, where they're kind of like moseying around, pretending like, oh, we're not going to hike the ball. We're just killing time, and then they go and hike it. They don't even need that because Tyreek Hill is so fast. He's going to get open. It doesn't matter. That where you run a quick slant with, like, Kelsey up the middle, like – they're going to complete that pass. It doesn't even matter. Uh, but yeah, it takes so much guts by Andy Reid to, to do that there. And so many other teams would have punted there. And I, I'm glad that the Chiefs, that's why they're, they're champions. And that's why I think they're going to end up winning, though. It's just such an impressive, gutsy play call with your backup uh, quarterback in that situation. Casey, you were going to say something? Yeah, I believe uh, when they played the Dolphins earlier this year, Steve, did they run the same play against the Dolphins earlier this yeah. year? Uh, it was fourth and two to seal the game. I mean, if you have Tyreek Hill, they run these up, couple, couple guys upfield and run them underneath. He's so fast on the out. Not going to get to him. I mean, the tough part is that assuming Chad Henney makes an accurate two-yard out throw <laughs> on <Right>. the run, <laughs> that's the toughest part of that play. Exactly. <laughs> the hill's going to be open is easy, but... <laughs> you almost would have expected them to, like, all right, Henny, you're not in. We're going to hike the ball directly to Tyreek Hill as he's moving and just let him go <laughs> too much Henny hate here he gave up his body for that team he should have gotten that first down that was a did you see spot. that pick in the fourth quarter that's why <laughs> no, 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 no. he gave up his body for his team don't, don't give me this other stuff it's you like mean that punt you say yeah. you that punt that he threw <laughs> the arm punt <laughs> yeah exactly oh man that was such a bad throw that's why I, there was no shot that I, I was like there's no way they're running this here but i was like but at the same time it's andy reed he's the only coach i could see running the it, him or Belichick. Belichick's the only other person I would have saw that could would have ran that play at that specific moment. Um, but also, I this that's also kind of an insult to the Browns because I know Andy Reid's probably thinking they're not going to beat us anyway. So like they're not scoring if even if we miss this. So like who cares? Like we're going for it. Well, like, uh, I just had probably two two and a half seasons with the Jags where all he did was throw checkdowns. So. <laughs> Todd knew it all along. He's like, this is the exact moment Chad Henney was like brought onto this team for. He he warmed up a full season for this thing. (laughs) (laughs) That was what that long arm punt was for, just to make sure his arm was ready for the short toss. Uh, All right, so obviously the winners of these games uh, go on to the Super Bowl. Uh, So wanted it. We already have predictions of what's going to happen, but. These questions will be slightly different, and I want to hear people's ranking of the best and worst, uh, like from one to four uh, matchups that could possibly happen. Uh, Steve, I'll start with you. So, as a Dolphins fan, I'm going to put the Bills and Brady as the worst possible matchup. Wow. Uh, for obvious reasons, because I can't stand Tom Brady. I'm <laughs> sick of this 
Buffalo Bills, Bills Mafia is so cool revival <laughs> thing. So I'm just I'm out on that. I'm zagging on it. I'm out. I'm done with the Bills. I want Josh Allen to stink again. And I want Brady to retire. So that's last. So then conversely, first off, Packers, Chiefs. Um and then in the middle, let's see. I'll go with uh I'll pick um, Right, Packers, Bills, but the, the middle two I'll flip flop because I really just don't want to see Brady or the Bills in there. So you can give me any of the other two. Uh, Storyline wise, I guess Bills, Packers, just because the Bills haven't been there, would be more entertaining than oh. Bucks. Uh, Where are the Chiefs? Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. Draw it out on the grid. <laughs> I know. I wrote them down ahead of time. Casey, what about you? I struggle with this a little bit because part of me, I do not like Brady whatsoever, but. I hate Patriots fans more than I hate Brady. So I would honestly love to see Brady in the Super Bowl, not in a Patriots uniform and kind of just rub it in all their faces. But uh, number one matchup, I want Mahomes Rogers. So I'll go um, Chiefs Packers. You know, they, they've been talking about the MVP, which one's going to be the MVP, which one's going to be the MVP. So I think it'd be cool to see it right there in the Super Bowl. Um, then I'll probably go Bills Packers, Bills Bucks. Did I get that right? And then Bucks Chiefs is the last one. I don't. I've seen Tom Brady and Mahomes play. It was a great. Um, Chiefs really should have won that first matchup. It wasn't for a defender jumping off sides. Um, but I don't need to see that again. So I, I think the Chiefs would absolutely annihilate a bu- the Bucks team anyway. So, but so yeah. Chiefs Packers. Ty, what about you? Yeah, um, Chiefs Packers obviously the best Rodgers Mahomes the two best quarterbacks in the game right now um I think three and four are interchangeable for me I think the Bucks regardless if it's Brady versus uh the Chiefs it's going to be like oh the you know Mahomes had his number the past few years and now he switches Mm -hmm. leagues or switches conferences um and same with like Brady versus the Bills it's like Brady and Allen the old AFC East versus the new NFC AFC East. Like, I don't want to hear those storylines. Like, the past is the past, and like, let's play in the present. So, I think three and four are just the Bucks against either AFC team, and so that leaves two would be the the Bills and and, and the Packers, which I think could be entertaining. See if, if that defense. I think I think the Bills have the best defense left in the playoffs. So to see the Bills against against the Packers and Rodgers, who I think is just playing lights out right now, would be fun and interesting. Yeah. I actually, you had all same exact answers as most of you had that ranking too. Um, for all the same reasons. I do, I don't agree with you, Casey. I would actually be interested in seeing a, a Brady-Mahomes Super Bowl, though. I think that would be fun. I mean, I think I know the result of that, but still, just to see it. Uh, because in history, it'll be fun to look back at, at like, uh, Mahomes, like, because I'm sure he will probably come close, if not passing Brady as as the best quarterback of all time, just because of his current ability and and current numbers and age right now. Um, assuming health wise, everything's okay there. Um, so it would just be cool to look back on that and as, as like a fun one to like. You can with like Joe Montana and and Dan Marino when they played each other in the Super Bowl. It's kind of cool to to know that that at least happened at some point. Um, so I think that would just be fun from that story. It's still my third matchup, but like, still think it would be kind of interesting that that side of things. Um, How many times did that happen, Steve? 
Dan Marino in the Super Bowl. How many how many times was that? <laughs> oh shit. There's a lot of lost ones in there that people, you know, forget about. Or he should have done if the rules were different that he would have made it, but <laughs> one I believe is the 20th, correct answer. Twentieth year of his retirement. Twentieth anniversary a couple days ago. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> It's been so long. So many great quarterbacks since. It's hard to remember Dan, you know? <laughs> Back to the Bucks in the Super Bowl, I will add that even though there won't be a full stadium of fans, it would be pretty cool to see a team play the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Um, I know we came close with the Vikings a couple years ago, but it didn't net out. But I, I do think that would be pretty cool. I just think the, the storylines of Brady against those other two teams would just uh, like overshadow everything. Yeah, we would that be like the first time that happened too, since they've like moved and not done like home field stuff. Where did the uh, Tampa and Oakland play so. in the early two thousands? And look it up real quick. Well, I not in either of those spots, not in Tampa. No. I'm pretty positive this would be the first time it would happen. Yeah, that's like, a, I think Super Bowl era or whatever. Oh no, they did play. They did play it in Tampa. Tampa, Oakland was in Tampa. I said I'm. Uh, no, wait. I was looking at the wrong thing. It was played in San Diego. Uh, that's. I thought it might have been West Coast. Yep. Never mind. I was wrong on that. No, um, that's a lot. I think that that would be cool. Like, back then, they only played in warm-weather cities. So, like, you were very limited to, until recently for it to, ha- to happen. You know, like, the Giant. Like, they played a Giant Stadium. They played in Minnesota. So, um, I don't know. It, it would just be cool to see, I think, even yeah. with the limited teams. Yeah. Shows how good the Florida teams have been over the years. <laughs> <laughs> that they're like, we're safe to pick Florida. No team from there is going to be the home Miami, team. Miami, Tampa, Jacksonville, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> they won't be it. <laughs> we're all good to pick there. Uh, Miami's and like now, once every five years before, probably. So. <laughs> yeah, true. They got a lot of a lot of opportunities for it. Uh, mm. Now, how about the? This is slightly different, but might have some similar results, but ranking the teams you would prefer to see win in that order. I'll start with mine, and it's probably going to make Steve mad. I actually have the Bills as number one, uh, mostly because I don't have a stake in it <laughs> at all, so I don't really care. Uh, they're not like the Patriots or, or anything to me where I really dislike them or like the Giants or any of those teams. Um, I think it's just that they've never won before. Um, you know, they, they, would they have that year they went to four straight or the years where they went four straight Super Bowls and lost all of them? Um, and because I don't have an animosity to, towards them, like I would have like the Red Sox where I would have like preferred to see them never make the World Series for the Bills, I actually don't care about. Um, so it'd be kind of cool to see them win. Um, Packers, I think it, Aaron Rodgers is, Todd, you mentioned he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. He's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And I think the second Super Bowl adds to his legacy. And I don't have any dislike of Aaron Rodgers. I think he's a really talented guy. It's it's too bad he's only won one Super Bowl. So it would be cool to see him get that second one, which really usually cements the legacy of, of quarterbacks generally, is that second one. Um, Chiefs, I, I think Mahomes is going to win more, but I actually just think he's so much fun to watch. 
um, that I wouldn't mind that. Uh, to me, he's like the Steph Curry of, of the NFL is generally liked by most people and just a really talented player. That's really changing the, the way the game's played. Um, I put, I almost considered putting them last, but just, uh, cause I think he's going to win many more. Um, but I still have no issue with them winning and want to see him win a lot. Um, and fourth is the bucks. Um, I almost put them third just cause like Casey, like you were saying, I hate the Patriots. So it'd be cool to see Brady be able to win one with not with the Patriots for once. And, and it would just be super impressive to see that happen with his seventh and then just across two teams and at the age he's at. But that was my ranking. Casey, what did you have? Um, I'll go with the chiefs. I got for the GM, of the chiefs from my mom's hometown group across the street from my grandparents. So I got that pull of the chiefs a little bit. Um, Bill second, same reason, you know, that 30 for 30 documentary is pretty powerful and watching them lose four Super Bowls in a row. Um, and a number of Bill's fans are my friends. I'll go Packers third, Bucks fourth, kind of interchangeable. Todd swayed me a little bit. I think it would be cool to see Tampa Bay have a home Super Bowl. I think that would be pretty neat. Um, so I think those two are pretty interchangeable, you know, Packers, won their first Super Bowl against Steelers, so I care less if they win another one. Um, so uh, the, I'm more worried about those top two. The, se- the second two could be just completely interchangeable. Yeah. Todd, what about you? Um, number one, I'm going to go with the Packers. Uh, get A.J. Dillon to, to bring that Super Bowl ring to New London. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. Um, two, two and three, Chiefs and Bills, interchangeable. I think, I think it, it'd be cool for – Mahomes to get his second one so quickly. Um, yeah, back to back too, which is super to back, hard so thing to accomplish. Like within, within the first what four years of his career. Yeah, so like I, I think that would be cool. Um, the Bills, I, I'll put them three. I, I think if the Bills make it, regardless what happens, like pray for Buffalo. Like the city <laughs> might burn down. Yeah, <laughs> people are crazy. Um, and then last, the Bucks. Brady's got enough of them. Like, share the wealth. Yeah, Yeah, right. Steve, what do you got? I'm going to put Chiefs one. Uh, A lot of my answers would probably be spiteful because I want Mahomes to eventually pass Brady. So that'll be the first reason. So that gets him two. It gets him closer to six. Still young. We can get there. I got faith. (laughs) Um, Two Packers. And then just because they're not the Bucks and Bills. So I'll put them two. And then... You know, I, I can't have the Bills, and then it's another AFC East dynasty you could start again. You know, I've had 20 years of this Pats one. I can't be in the same division with the <laughs> Josh Allen, the Bills now. You know, I need, I need that to kind of like peter out. And then, you know, I just don't want to see Brady win again. Um, so I'll probably put the Bills last, the Bucks third. But just, just that's the worst Super Bowl, as I said. In my, I, I just don't want to see it. <laughs> the least likely to happen too so i think you're you're probably in good shape there too i should parlay it just in case (laughs) you should not be betting on anything (laughs) uh all right so exciting stuff coming though i think those will be some fun games to watch i'm really excited for the chiefs bills and hopefully mahomes is 100 healthy um there so i want to make sure that that's all in uh good good matchup there to to watch and, and have fun with there um i also 
surprisingly, first time we've seen Brady and, and Rodgers in a in a Super Bowl, so or in a in a playoff matchup. So it'll be kind of exciting to just to see those two play against each other. They never play each other in a Super Bowl. Rarely play to each other in the regular season, so it'll be kind of fun to see them in a in a playoff setting. So good storylines. Excited. Um, but we got some off season stuff. We're mostly going to spend this time with with Todd and Steve, just because. Todd's a Jaguars fan, and uh, I think he's very unhappy with the hire of Urban Meyer. But um, let me, and then uh, the offensive coordinator too. Finally, got uh, the Dolphins got rid of theirs. Uh, did he resign or did he get fired? DVD. It, I don't think it really said. I think he said he's gone. Yeah, he just <laughs> might left. have been a mutually list thing. I don't know. He was old, and I don't think they wanted him back. So I think it's a combo. All right. Well, Todd, let's. Uh, you have the most exciting offseason potential. You are hiring a new coach. You have the number one pick. Um, Deshaun Watson is potentially on the trade block. Uh, what are your thoughts on the hire first? So I was a little iffy at first because I am a Florida State fan. So anything <laughs> Gators, get out of here. But um, I've come around to it. I mean, it's Urban Meyer. He's a football legend. Like the games are different, but like if you know football, you know football. Um, so he, he's already he's already started from the press conferences I've seen, and and he hired a defensive coordinator today. The 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 D line coach from the Ravens, who like that D line has been good all year. So be interesting to see what he comes in calling defensive plays. Um, I don't know it. it I was mixed. I think Urban, there's a lot of the whole, like, oh, he's just going to be another Nick Saban, like, <laughs> those rumors, which I don't think is fair to the guy. Like, to be honest, like, I think Saban would have been a good NFL coach. You know, he won nine games his first year with freaking Gus Farrat as his quarterback. <laughs> and then and then Drew Brees failed the physical. I'm sorry I'm bringing this up, Steve, but, like, <laughs> Drew Brees, if Drew Brees doesn't fail that physical – Saban has Breeze, and, and who knows what happens. Instead, he gets a hurt Dante Culpepper and then realized that in college he could call the shots and do whatever he wants. He didn't have a GM or physicals or any of that. So I, I, I hate people saying he's just going to be another Urban Meyer. And, like, there's college coaches that have had success in the pros, like Jimmy Johnson or um, Pete Carroll. So, so, I mean, Pete Carroll was back and forth, so he wasn't – really one or the other, but I don't know. I, I think it's going to be good for the team and, and just get some new blood in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, a lot of people uh, were like kind of unsure about it. Like, I mean, the Chip Kelly thing, I think scared people off a little bit. Um, the Nick Saban one is another one that people bring up all the time. Um, but I, I feel confident with urban. I think he's a solid coach. I mean, it, it might not work initially, but like, yeah, I would feel good about the prospects of it at, at least he seems like he's had success at utah florida ohio state everywhere he's gone so it's at least a track records there um so yeah i would i'm with you I, i'd feel pretty confident with that and then with the one number one pick who do you think they're gonna go with or do they trade it for watson um i don't think you i mean if you can trade it you do but i don't think houston does that in the division that i mean that would be one of the dumbest things ever. Um, <laughs> would it surprise think, you like, at this point, though? 
I mean, no, <laughs> to be honest, no. Um, I think though, like to take on Watson's contract, the, the caps, the Jags have a hundred something in cap space. I believe it's one of the highest in the league. Um, they have and no they good don't players. Have, and you need to build a defense. I think taking on Watson is, is gonna take away from that cap space that they need for free agency. So I don't think they would do it. Plus, I mean, you, they have two first rounders and two second rounders. So you could package like a first and a second to get them. I just, I don't think Houston would ever do it. If they did, you know, I'd be on the phone in a heartbeat, but. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? For a while I was Fields. And then, you know, the more, the more it became reality, like you have to take Lawrence. Like you can't, you can't not. I think in the long run, Fields is probably, he's a better athlete. I think he's got better arm strength. He's more mobile. I think he's going to be a better pro in the long run. If, you know, 15 years from now, if we're looking at numbers, it, it wouldn't shock me to see Fields ahead of Lawrence. But I don't think, especially a new GM, new coach, a team that that needs some kind of revival, I don't, I don't think you can take that chance on, on Lawrence, who's probably the biggest, like, clear-cut number one in, in recent history, I would think. Yeah, Casey and I talked about this a little bit too. Um, I had similar sentiments about Fields, but I think you don't get fired for drafting Trevor Lawrence. You get fired for drafting Justin Fields. Exactly. Uh, so it's a little, a little safer there. Um, I have a question for everyone, though, is why hasn't Eric the Enemy been hired yet? And I'll ask the question. I mean, Steve and Todd might be able to answer this a little better. Um can teams not talk to him yet? Do the Chiefs have to allow teams to talk to him since he's in the playoffs? Or can he talk to whoever he wants right now? He, he can talk. Um, I know the Jags interviewed him. I think I think the Jags were just set in their ways of Urban Meyer and did all these other interviews. Just I mean, they had to satisfy the Rooney rule, which I think is a shitty rule to begin with because it's just pointing out the flaws in the system a lot more. Um, but they can talk to him. They can't actually hire him until it's done, which I think is Houston the only team that doesn't Houston's have the only team left. left now. So may, like maybe there's a shot. I think the play, the, the play calling issues, of, you know, Andy Reid calls the shots in KC and, and the enemy has called plays before, um, but not on a regular basis. So I think I think that scares some teams away. It seems like a no-brainer to me between him and I'm also surprised Brian Dabble hasn't been like looked ahead a lot more. I know again he's still in the playoffs, but like I don't know why you these teams feel like they need to rush to hire some of these coaches. Like Dan Campbell was just hired by the Lions. I mean I'm not sure. Did you see, would did take you see that press conference? <laughs> that is. <laughs> Did you see it? There's, that's why they're gonna bite hired. someone's kneecap off or something. <laughs> I yeah, I think the the thing with the enemy that scares me is when you take these coaches from like he doesn't get to bring Patrick Mahomes. Um, I, the Dolphins did it with Adam Gase. Like they hired him off the great run as an offensive coordinator in Denver when he had Peyton Manning, and Gase has been 
a terrible head coach in two spots. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's more examples I can't think of, but when you hire like Josh McDaniels, when they originally when he was hired away from the Pats was awful in Denver. Um, half the Packers guys that have been hired, I'm trying to think, Joe Philbin, there's one hired from Green Bay to the Dolphins because Rogers was there awful in Miami. And maybe that's still not fair to be enemy because he's none of these people, but there's a trend of, I can't really remember a coordinator hired from a historically great QB that's then been great as a head coach. I'm sure there's one. I'm just not thinking of it, but it seems like the few I could think of are like, these guys don't succeed because it's like, all right, who's is the enemy great? Or does he have just the, I mean, the chiefs have the best collection of talent. In, on offense in the NFL. I don't think it's really disputable um, with Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, and all that. So, you know, I think there's some of that. I'm sure there's some, you know, it's who's who knows who, who's friends with who, which is the part of the, you know, the unfair part to be enemy for sure, where the guy the Eagles just hired did not call plays in Indy. Uh, <laughs> it's because Frank Reich was like, they're, they're like, we screwed up letting Frank Reich go. Let's take this guy. Like, that one, you know, I don't think it makes sense why they hired maybe that guy, but who knows, you know, what the, you know, who, what the, it's who Howie Roseman knew in the Eagles and he knew this guy from before. So it's like, that seems kind of garbage that they're not going to do that. But um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I think there's a lot that probably goes into this, but, you know, I'm sure he'll get a shot at some point. Hopefully he does well with it. Yeah. The only thing I'd push back on a little bit there is he also had Alex Smith and Alex Smith looked like a really good quarterback in, in Kansas city as well. Um, so that probably helps a little bit, but the other thing too is maybe he's another one of, um, is he there though with Alex Smith. I thought probably Doug Peterson was around that time or someone else. Which I think the enemy has been the OC for three years. That's the one that I'm not positive on. I thought I saw that, but I could be wrong. He was a running backs coach, maybe, that he was there. Mm. But I'm not positive he was the OC before. Because Doug, eh, he might have been. No, you're right. One year with yeah. Alex Smith. But to start, Doug Peterson, I was there. So, anyway. No, you're I mean, right. He, I'm not saying he hasn't done a good job at all. But um, I think it's the, you know, he definitely gets some people to just say it's Andy Reid anyway. So, he's going to get no credit. Um, which is probably, it's certainly not fair to him. So, yeah. Well, the only other thing too, is I wonder if he's just like Dabo Sweeney's defensive coordinator, forget it. I'm blanking on his name right now, but like guy's not leaving. He's staying with Dabo. Like he could get a, a college job at any moment, but he's like, look, we compete for national championships every year. I'm probably taken care of financially by Dabo. And like, I'm sending kids off to get drafted year after year in the NFL. Like what? why not stay here? And maybe that's his situation. Like I have a 25 year old Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reed. Maybe he's next in ride there in line there when Reed finally gives it up and retires. Like, you know, who knows? Like, and can be sitting behind like McDaniels probably is and waiting for the, the Patriots job to just become his, um, hard to say though, but I didn't, I never really thought of it that way, but like, does Eric the enemy want to leave? I think he's interviewed enough at this point, I would say. And I think he came out and saw he said he does want to be a head coach. So I'm going to assume he hasn't, like, given the vibe that he doesn't want these jobs. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of, you know, all the owners are, you know, let's say old, older white guys. And, 
you know, I'm sure there's part of that as well. <laughs> like, you know, they have their whole, it's a whole thing of they hire their buddy's buddy at point, and it's probably not fair to be enemy at the end of the day. Um, he's probably deserving at least, I mean, he can't, you know, he's, he has better track record of success than some of these other guys. So even if you aren't sure you think he's the right hire, you'd still probably should at least give him a, I'd like to see him at least get a shot. Um, and I think he deserves it. So. Yeah, I agree with that. And I was actually more, more surprised and, and probably wouldn't go inner division anyway, but like the chargers went a defensive direction when they have what seems to be a pretty talented quarterback in Justin Herbert. Um, I would have thought they would go in an offensive direction in some capacity. I know Joe Brady's name was being thrown around a lot too with the Panthers. So I was just surprised that like all the names that you were hearing about, like no one really got hired from, from that group of them, except for uh, Robert Sala, I think was the only other one that like people were throwing around was probably going to get a job. And he actually did. Um, and Urban Meyer too was the other one that like, he's been thrown out there for a couple years now. Um, so feel good about that at least. Uh, so Steve to address your coach, and maybe this the situation in general, if anyone can make a play for Deshaun Watson, it's probably the Dolphins are, are best set up to do so. Should they? Do they? And is Tua done, or are you comfortable with Tua? I'll start with the Deshaun. I mean, it depends what you have to trade. If you're going to have to trade five or four first-round picks and Tua, then – Probably not. Like Deshaun just won four games in Houston, as good as he is. Um, you know, there's a lot wrong with Houston, but as good as he is, if you decimate your team with the picks, you bring on Deshaun, you have zero cap space, you have a generally young roster. Um, but the offense has lots of flaws. I mean, all their skill position players kind of stink. The offensive line is young, unsure, half of them might stink. <laughs> um, you know, I think if bringing Deshaun doesn't fix everything that ails him. So if you can give away, you know, they have the third pick, two and a first next year, then they probably should do it. You know, I still think two is going to be great. I have all the faith and confidence in Tua, but Deshaun's already a top five quarterback and it's hard to, you don't get an opportunity for those guys often. Overall, I still don't think Houston's going to end up trading him because I, I just don't think – it's not the NBA where I just don't think he has any real leverage unless he's going to retire and say, I'm just never playing another game. And he's under contract for, was it, five years, plus you could franchise him in the NFL. So it's really about probably seven years of control um, before he could ever be an unrestricted free agent. So I really think if you're Houston, you have to call his bluff and just never trade him. But in the hypothetical world where he's available, I don't see why they – shouldn't or wouldn't go after him but i don't think that's a referendum on two i would say that if you were all about three other teams in the league like why wouldn't you try and trade for him and ultimately i think if he does get moved it's gonna be some team that gives away six first round picks and just says we're gonna get to sean watson <laughs> and it's gonna be a team that just has less of a other option that um does it but would you be upset if the jets did it because i think they're probably the second most likely team that would have the assets to do so and now he'd be in your division <laughs> yeah i don't want deshaun in on the jets <laughs> definitely not i'd rather he goes to the nfc and stays far away from the dolphins and their playoff chances cowboys will take him i will take him in a heartbeat <laughs> please come to dallas i will trade away dak or do something i i love Let dak too but yeah <laughs> 
but Are you get shopping to us, Steve, because it's <laughs> well, Todd, I want to hear what Todd would do Get if he off. was. I was asking a good question. <laughs> well, you go ahead, Casey. Ask your question. I mean, you are actively shopping to it here. I don't care who it's for, but is that because the reports of you know teammates not having faith in him as the starting quarterback? The three unnamed teammates who just said he wasn't great this year was what the article ultimately said. They didn't have faith of them at the start of the season in training camp. They were shocked. After he came off a hip surgery and hadn't probably thrown a football to in live action in how many months, had a Zoom offseason, was in rehab all offseason, and was going up against Fitz, who knows Chan Gailey's offense inside out. And they all love Fitz because he's an awesome guy. Um, Yeah. Three unnamed sources who basically said not that concerning things. No, that doesn't give me any pause. Are <laughs> you convincing us or are you convincing yourself there? <laughs> <laughs> Probably a little of both. <laughs> I don't I don't think there are any unnamed sources that talked crap on Gardner Minshew, Jake Lewin, or Mike Lennon this year. So they could probably just say it out loud. Everyone would agree. (laughs) They don't need to, Todd. They don't need to. You can watch. You can watch Jake Luton throw four interceptions and a half or whatever. No, he stinks. (laughs) The Jaguars were actively trying to lose games, so they were rooting for their their quarterbacks to throw interceptions. The tank was on after that one week. It was like, all right, we got to lose them all now. The team was excited when an interception was thrown. They're like, yes. <laughs> Doug Marone had a smile on that whole time. You just couldn't tell because of his mask. <laughs> so, Todd, what would you do with Tua? I know you have strong opinions about this guy. I mean, if you have the opportunity to trade him, you have to trade him. Like, for, De- for Deshaun, like, that's a no-brainer. I, like Steve said, there's probably three teams. Probably the Packers, the Chiefs, and I don't even know – Maybe the Bills or, or Ravens, so four four teams that that don't need Deshaun Watson. Um, so if if that opportunity comes up and, and you can make it, you do. Um, but I, I'm not sold on Tua personally. Like one that I don't think people talking about him, like his teammates talking about him. That's I mean maybe that's going to fuel him. No, people are saying he didn't have the full off season and all that. Like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, but he, he beat one playoff team this year in a game that he threw what 90 yards, the, the Rams game, Steve, what are you, I mean, that's yeah. his defense won him that game or, or Jared Goff gave him that game. Um, you, you don't, you don't draft the guy number five and then pull him in, in a must win game against the poorest Raiders secondary to have, you know, like, you want your guy in there that whole time to, to win that game for you. So that's where I stand on Tua. I'm, I'm going to defend Tua a little bit for the same reason that Steve did. I One, I think they held him back a lot. I think the offensive coordinator leaving is, is a really strong sign of hopefully they bring in someone that can unleash him um, because I feel like they were holding him back a lot and, and maybe understandably so. I mean, the guy's coming off of a hip surgery. Um, he's a rookie. Um, you know, they want to protect him a little bit. I don't think that me and Casey talked about this. I don't think anyone expected the dolphins to be in that kind of position where they were going to be win- like winning, um, and on the verge of making the playoffs. Um, so, I mean, the 90 yard performances are a little concerning. 
but like I like I said, I think some of that was holding him back, and it, and maybe it was even himself holding. Like I'm sure there's a little bit of uh, confidence, like not where it was at Alabama, but maybe giving him that time and this whole off season, like a healthy off season. Um, like his numbers were still like not bad. I mean the yardage is low, but like 64% completion, 11 touchdowns, five interceptions. It's not terrible. Um, but I do think those 90 yard perform 80 yard performances are not, not good. Um, but I think it'll be, I think next year will be the, the real sign of it. And if, if we're seeing similar numbers next year, I think that's when you'd start to be a little bit concerned if, if, if I was the dolphins, but like Casey, this is one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen play in college football. I, we've talked about this. I think I said this to you when we first started talking about him, he's just such a talented quarterback it's it's hard to not see it translate and and maybe it's more of a hopeful thing but like you were saying with trevor lawrence uh todd like sometimes you just like it seems like it's the real deal like you're not going to go wrong picking this guy and i think that's kind of where the dolphins were with Tua. Is this is one of the best quarterbacks potentially that's ever played in college football let's give him a shot and like i'm not ready to write him off yet but it was a little strange to see Herbert do as well as he did and Tua not do as well. But like Herbert's situation's completely different. They're down by double digits each game. The team stinks. So right. you know, I think part of it is the Dolphins defense that was very good, or at least created a lot of turnovers, ultimately probably not as good as some of the numbers were, but they were keeping them in games. So, you know, if he's down twenty every game and they want him to huck it around, I think he'd put up a lot better numbers that are empty. Like Herbert, you know, and Herbert People, he scored zero. The Pats game, he lost 45 to nothing. Like, he had his own duds, and it's just he had better high highlight games. And also, I don't know anyone was watching the Chargers when they're two and seven. So they're out of the spotlight. You watch a couple highlight throws from Herbert. Said, oh, look, he was great. And then you sweep under the rug his 45 nothing loss to the Pats. Against the Dolphins, he was awful. Um, you know, Joe Burrow, same thing as he's getting battered every game. And I think these guys all played well in spots, but they're also getting smoked. Uh, you know, they're down a million points. They want to open it up and let him throw it around. As the Dolphins plan to win was Fitz throws too many picks. We'll put two in there. We'll go conservative on offense, get turnovers every game, which they did every single game this year, get short fields, <clears throat> get some points, win the game. Um, long-term, it's not going to win you a Super Bowl, but I think Flores has proven that he's just coaching to win the next game, which is probably what you should be doing as a coach. And, you know, I think, I think it was kind of the directive of let's just not make mistakes on offense. And if we get a couple of good drives, we can probably win. Um, so I think, I mean, you also look at this, you know, I can go to the skill position guys. They're all terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> no receivers. I mean, now, <laughs> I mean half, Parker missed a few of those games. Jakeem Grant missed a couple of those games and dropped every deep ball that was thrown to him. Uh, Malcolm Perry was playing quarterback at Navy last year. Lynn Bowden was playing quarterback at Kentucky. Like they, you know, Gusecki got hurt. It's the running backs were guys they picked in the seventh round or cut from the Niners. Offensive lines arches. So it, again, do, does does that mean he played well? No, but I think it's not. If you're not getting Deshaun, you can't be using the third pick on another guy because I don't necessarily think that guy's going to do any better given the situation. Yeah. Do they draft offensive line or should they draft Devonta Smith? 
Well, they should trade down if they can and then pick a Chase or Smith. Um, hopefully Smith someone would be that. Yeah, obviously if they stay there, I think at this point they should just take Devontae Smith. The way he played all year and the general, assuming he already has a rapport with Tua from playing with him for two years, seems like a no-brainer, but we'll see what they do. Or if they take the tackle from Oregon, he's in, it's no, I don't think they're in a nice situation. <laughs> Yeah, they should be happy. I, I'm I'm with you, Steve. I, I think you have reason to be hopeful and optimistic, despite the way the season ended for you guys. Uh, like I said, I don't think I don't know about you. I wasn't expecting them to be there. You as a fan probably no, weren't. I thought they go eight and eight or seven and nine. Yeah, so they went so. ten and six. <laughs> I think Flores has shown he's fan. good. What do you say, Casey? That's every year as a Dolphins fan, like <laughs> eight and eight or seven and nine. <laughs> Oh, five and eleven, two years, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, still, uh, Casey. Since you're talking about favorite teams, how do you feel about Haskins? And has there ever been a more disappointing team that started eleven and zero? <laughs> no, as Todd has told me very many times, they were the worst eleven zero team in league history. Well, I think that's clear. Would they lose six of their last seven games? Okay, fine, but that was the most flukish playoff performance ever. It was terrible. Don't get me wrong. Pouncey, one of the you know best centers in the league, has been in the league a very long time. You know, hiking the ball over Ben's head—that just doesn't happen. A lot of flukes brought on by our own poor play went into that game of us falling behind so quickly. Ben threw a bunch of picks. It was a lot of unlucky play that turn that into a horrific game it was really bad to watch when i watch the games i'm on a minor delay because i don't have cable so i'm getting texts from everybody before <laughs> things happen and it was it was horrible it was absolutely horrible so no not great um don't really care about haskins yet you know um we'll see what happens it's too early they just signed him it's not it's a win-win they either look at him and he doesn't make the team or they look at him, he plays well, and he plays well in the league. I don't know. He needs to mature, clearly. Um, so we'll see moving forward. They clear, They have to fix their uh, quarterback issue. His, uh, Ben's going to be gone. He didn't play that well this year. And then um, I'm hoping they get Harris um, as a running back from Bama late in the first. So we'll see. Is he gone officially, or you're saying like he's only like they got to deal out. with it? I mean, there's no one on the roster that can play quarterback. So Ben, okay, maybe plays next year, but they got to put someone in there. Mason Rudolph is god awful. I never want to see man under center again. <laughs> Steve Todd, everyone knows I'm well aware how I feel about him. He's not the answer to the future. So um, yeah, they got to figure out something at quarterback for the future. That that cap hit that Ben has is brutal. I didn't realize it's forty one million. Is always going to count against the cap this year. I don't know. They can't re-sign Juju. They, I mean, the cap's going to go down as well. Like unless some of these guys retire, like Pouncey, I think they've talked about he might retire. Some of these other older guys, or somehow they cut some of these older veterans that have been kind of staples there forever. They have no money to do anything. Yeah. They have to cut guys, I think, to even get to the cap as it is. <laughs> Yeah, there'll be some big Steelers available. I would like it if Ben just decided to retire. I'm hoping maybe, you know, Phil's out of the league. Um, Manning's out of the Eli's league. gone. Yeah, he's the last one of that three. It's time to hang it up, Ben. Appreciate the two rings. Thank you so much. You looked terrible this past year. You need <laughs> ben. 
I think Todd was right. They were the worst 11-0 team in league history, and I'm quite okay with that title. They went 11-0, still had a pretty solid year, um, did not end well, you know, had issues with the bye week and different things like that. But, um, but yeah, so on to next year. Got to figure out the quarterback. Got to figure out the running game. All right. Well, it would be an interesting offseason for all of our teams, I think. Uh, I got the Dak drama in Dallas. The Jags got a lot of different storylines going for them. Um, I think. Do you think they announce ahead of time? That haven't hasn't happened the draft in in a few years now. Um, do you think they announce it before the draft itself? Doubt it. Nah. I can't imagine why you would. Yeah. I, I can't I sign the contracts anymore because right? of the slotting. I think that's why they stopped doing it. Because mm. they used to have to negotiate the contracts all the money now it's just whatever that rookie slot is so i don't even bother i think the league probably appreciates the, the suspense yeah. of having them wait for the draft too so they'll I tell did. trevor <laughs> yeah there's there's no, told them. <laughs> there's there's no woge bombs in the nfl i guess uh speaking of woge bombs uh switch over to that nba just very quickly uh Harden was finally traded, uh, went to the team he wanted to go to and to the team I least expected it to actually happen with, um, the Brooklyn Nets. Are they good enough to beat the Lakers? Uh, yeah, sure. Kevin Durant on that roster, absolutely. I think they're good enough to beat the Lakers, but Brooklyn doesn't learn. Like They did this with the Celtics. They just <laughs> traded everything away. They have no more. I mean, good three players on your roster, great, but you have no assets left, nothing for the future. So we've seen how quickly players just move around in the NBA. Clearly, Brooklyn just tries to go all in every chance they get, and that's, again, what they did. But, yeah, I really like Durant. I mean, it's great they're adding Harden. You know, as, Kyrie, as long as Kyrie wants to play, he'll be great. Um, but I think KD makes you, makes you a great team. Yeah, I'm so happy to see KD healthy and playing as well as he has. Um, I I said to you, Casey, too, I said the most comparable player to KD is Brianna Stewart. And she just had a similar injury, and she came back and was killing it, too. So it's like the comparisons still like line up, and there's no one else that's really like him except for Brianna Stewart. That's the only person I've ever been able to like think about of like having that size and that like all-around ability. Um, but yeah, really happy for them. I will disagree with you. I don't think they can beat the Lakers because they just lost to the Cavs. They gave up 140. Oh, don't, you can't compare that. 147 <laughs> points, dude. They give up 147 points. They cannot stop anybody. They can't stop anyone. It, it was the first time all three of them were together, too. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's too I, soon for that. Cavs played, what, seven guys last night, probably? They, I don't know. Defensively, I, they're, they're a mess. But I, I think if, I if maybe when Harden's in a little better shape, he'll actually put a little more effort on defense. <laughs> Kyrie, who knows what, if he wants to put in effort, he'll put it in. But uh, uh, defensively, I think he can at least be a little better. Uh, I think they yeah. could win, but I, I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, same thing. I'm not betting against the Lakers again right now. They, they've come out the gates and looked really strong. LeBron has still not lost a step. I think he's going to play for another four or five years probably and be consistently good. Um I think that, yeah, I mean, the Nets can clearly score with anyone and outscore anyone on a given night. 
I just worry about that defense, and the Lakers have one of the best defenses too. Um, so they might be able to to stop them. Um, it will be interesting though because Katie's probably the only good defender, and he's going to have to pick either AD or LeBron. And he's shown he can do LeBron, but like he can't do both. Like that was what the Warriors had him on was he was the LeBron stopper essentially, and he had Draymond to fall back on. Now it's really just him and maybe DeAndre Jordan, and I I don't like that. I don't like that option. <laughs> I don't see how they stop AD without, you know, they traded Jared Allen, so, like, yeah. you know, your big guy in the middle, you're forcing KD to play in the middle or down low with, with DeAndre when he's not on the bench, so I don't, I don't think they have the size to compete with Anthony Davis. And yeah. they, they got a they got another trade to make somehow or a buyout guy that's gonna have to come in. Either PJ but, Tucker from the Rockets would be probably another. I don't know why they just throw him in on the deal. I know uh, <laughs> he kind of fits what they need is another to play that Draymond off KD defensively role. Um, but you know, I, that, quickly back to the picks though, like one of these teams is gonna get screwed. I don't know who it's gonna be: the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nets. Trying to think of any other team. The Rockets actually traded all their picks to get rid of to get Russ to begin with. I think they traded about a few of them to get Russ. So it's interesting. One of these teams is going to end up with who lost all their picks for like eight years is going to end up losing picks like one, two, or three, and it's going to be a stud. But I don't know which one of them it'll be, but it's got to be one of them at some point. Yeah, they're everyone's like praising them because everyone's i think looking very short term like everyone's like oh like the um raptors were so smart to get Kawhi because he got him a championship and in theory that is true and maybe that's okay like approach to you know building a franchise um where you kind of take the marlins approach maybe it's like you win a world series and you are non-existent for 10 years and then you come back again and and win another one um but, like, I think from the long-term perspective, I think you're right, Steve. I think, like, LeBron's not there forever, and once LeBron's gone, it's just AD. And and that's – I don't think that's a good, like, sign, but, like, the thing they have going for them is the Lakers aura and L.A. Like, people will want to go to those – that team and that yeah, city. Yeah, I think – I feel like what's been proven with these lately things, though, is teams don't – some of these guys I don't think care. Like, the Lakers were terrible – was it right before they got LeBron? They would get mm-hmm. the second pick to get Ball, and was it a third, another second pick to get Ingram? So even though they were in LA and had cap space, still no one went there because the rest of the team around it was bad. So we'll see. Hope who knows? It could be to your point that AD stays there and they sign another guy down the line to go with them, and then none of their picks are bad. Um, could be that KD stays with the Nets and Harden does, and they're good. But I feel like one of them's gonna blow up. I don't know which one, though. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it was all of them at some point. So, I mean, there's – it's an interesting thing because I think this is where the league's going, though, is what you'd have to look at now is who does AD have relationships and friendships with because, like, who plays on Team USA together? Like, those where all those conversations are happening every single year, and it's where those relationships where it's like – Hey, you should come play here. You should come play with me. Like in like a couple of years when you're, you know, like those conversations are happening all the time. So it'll be interesting. I, I think the one 
Milwaukee's not generally a, a place people want to go. I'm surprised that it's not. I don't know why you wouldn't want to go play with Giannis, uh, especially the type of players that are out there. Like if you're a three point shooter or you know someone like that, like that's the ideal location for you. But like Milwaukee's not a a sexy place for people to want to go to, I guess. <laughs> but it'll be interesting. The only other player that's kind of interesting to see where they go is Bradley Beal. Any guesses on where he goes? I think he's leaving, though. I think he's got, what, two years left on his deal, or one after this one, or something like that. Um, no, Miami seems to be the one people keep linking him to. Um, and I think that would make sense. Another team that could use one last, like, actually elite all-star scoring type guy. I think he's leading the score in last I looked at this point. Um, so, a pencil in Miami. No one's gone there in, in a while, so it feels like it's due. Well, I guess Butler did, so I take that back. <laughs> Maybe they're not due, but <laughs> I have a I have a potentially weird one. The Warriors, if what they're competing. They, what are you giving up, Clay? You give up? No, don't give up Clay. Um, I think it would be as a rental for this year. With the idea that they so lose the him, but I think contract he, and a million picks. Wiggins, a pick, and Wiseman, maybe. You have to give up probably the like seven first rounders and swap situation. <laughs> It'd just be an interesting one because he fits. I mean, it would basically be like they had Clay Thompson yeah, um, on that team. So it would be if they are at that on the edge because they're kind of like a seven eight seed right now. Um, if they feel like competing and maybe they don't have to give up as much as maybe we expect them to, like if it is just a Wiggins and a pick, like that'd be surprising. I don't think that's what would happen, but like if it's a small like thing to sacrifice, like if it's Oubre and Wiggins, like probably do it. If you're the Wizards, do you want to have Westbrook and Wiggins as two massive contracts for three years? <laughs> That's the most torturous team you can possibly assemble, I think. The two possibly it. worst contracts besides John Walls. <laughs> they do it. <laughs> uh, that's why I think you need a million picks, just to have your fans have to watch that awful team. <laughs> True. Yeah. Casey, Todd, any thoughts on Beal going anywhere? No, I don't really have any thoughts on Beal. Washington's terrible, so I don't really care where Beal goes. I just want to see him go to a good team. I don't care. He'll have to leave in a year. <laughs> I guess. The shot that Washington is as bad as they are. Um, they're they're not a bad on paper. They're not a bad team. You know, you have Russ who's putting up a triple double every night. Beal's leading league in scoring. They have all that young talent inside. I mean, they lost Thomas Bryant with ACL or Achilles or some leg injury. Um, but like Achimura is good. Like Bertans is good. They they have pieces. They that who's the guy they got in the draft this year early. Um, I'm blanking on his name. Foreign guy. Denny. Uh, Advijer. I don't know how he said his last name. So like they have the they have pieces. I'm I'm shocked that they're losing games as bad as they are because they're good. I think. Well, they've also had all the COVID issues. They've been one of the primary use cases of that. They haven't played played in forever. (laughs) They have no flow right now. Um, Yeah. I think they could sneak in. They'll probably sneak in at the bottom of the playoffs, I think, once they 
have everyone healthy and back and, and ready to go. It, assuming they don't trade Beal. If they trade Beal and don't get much back for him, then like that's probably they're done. They're not making the playoffs. But still exciting to see how this plays out. I mean, the Nets seem like the most likely challenge to the Lakers, and I'd rather see LeBron not win again. Um, so and not the Lakers win again too. So should be fun though. All right. We also uh, three of us at least. Todd's just a a tiger uh, expert, so we watched the tiger doc that was put together on HBO. Um, really, I liked it a lot. It's no last dance, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I think we need a f- ten part tiger documentary though to cover everything. Uh, but want to hear your two, Casey and Steve, your thoughts on uh, on the doc overall pretty powerful you know i think we all grew up with that story so i had a pretty good idea of what um getting into you know relationship with his dad his issues with sex and drugs and different things like that um i wish they were a little more positive about his um what he's done for the game of golf you know when he kind of came into the sport really really just put it on another level and still to this day, like if Tiger's playing in that tournament, that tournament just gets that much bigger and people are that much more interested in it. So I thought it was a little harsh and a few of the people that were in it, I feel like everyone that talked about him had a bone to pick with him. I'm not just saying what they said was untrue, but um, he didn't have many allies commenting on things. And of course I always want, I would love to see Tiger in the dock. Like who wouldn't want to see Tiger's point of view on any of this stuff. Um, but I did enjoy it. I think you could have stretched it into four parts probably. Um, but definitely was good. I, I enjoyed watching it. Yeah. I think, uh, to echo that point is everyone they get had either probably had something that they didn't like about Tiger. And that was the angle that the doc was going to go with, um, which again, I think there's plenty of stuff in Tiger's life he's done that he would agree isn't you know positive uh, stuff. Uh, it would be nice, you know, he has done a bunch of humanitarian with his learning center. Um, the general, the you know, the growth of the purses and due to his impact, uh, the growth of the game, all that stuff definitely is stuff they could have touched on. Um, the general story, to I think Casey's point, anyone, I think it's been, you know. There's been a lot of books, a lot of coverage of the books on sports talk shows. You know, it's a lot of stuff that's come out over the years, probably, you know, since really the the scandal, you know, stuff about his father and his upbringing. Um, so it wasn't necessarily anything eye-opening. I think you get some of these other guys that are like tangentially related to Tiger that are coming in, like the, the guy from the Navy who was there, who had, like... I don't really think he had really knew them that well. And he tries to sell, he does the other family friend who talks. I mean, you know, some of these guys I think are just kind of don't really have any insight and kind of have a couple of musings that they want to throw out there that make it sound like they know something more than they do. Um, But overall, I thought it was entertaining enough. I think to Casey's point, you know, the only tiger doc I'd really like to see at this point would include him in it his agent, you know, other people that have kind of been in this circle through the whole thing. Cause it doesn't really, which isn't a lot of people at this point, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, just people that have really kind of, you know, maybe could speak more to, 
something a little more insightful than what's kind of been rehashed in all these books. But overall, it was entertaining still. Worth worth the watch. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Um, it seems like these people, we don't even know how long it's been since he's been in they've been in Tiger's life. Like, um, one person I thought that was super impressive to hear from, but still like ends up not really holding much weight is his high school girlfriend. Like it was still an interesting story, like to hear like how he broke up with her through like a letter because his parents like forced him to end the relationship. But like her talking about her time with him, it's still like that is stuff that happened. That is her, you know, recollection of it and, and everything. So like she has that firsthand knowledge of it. Um, But obviously who knows when the last time they've spoken with each other. So like, is it, it was cool to hear it from, like her perspective of like what it was like for him back then and or how she saw it but like it's not valuable across the entire doc because like who knows when the last time he's spoken to this person is um i also felt like it was a little soon like guy's still playing they went up to 2019 uh like with the masters and him winning and it was like well we just this happened like two years ago well you know like obviously we're in the middle of 2021 just to start it um but like it wasn't that long ago and like that's why i thought the michael jordan doc the last dance coming out when it did was actually kind of perfect it was you know almost you know a little over 20 years removed from that season that they they chronicled and then spent that time kind of going over his you know his entire career more briefly as as they kind of follow his last season um and yeah i think you need tiger i think you need elon like those two are the most important people in that his mom, like those three, if those three aren't in the dock, then it's, I, I know that they're going to, when they do do it, they're going to have full control and they're going to make him look as good as possible, which I get. Um, but like, I still want, like, that's who I, <laughs> those are the people like, that's, that's what I need to hear from. It's why I like the last dance so much because it was Michael being able to tell his story. And I think when it is your story, you have control over it. And and you should be able to have control over that. But Todd, I know you have hot takes on Docs. I know you haven't seen this one, but um, so I, I I mean I've read about it. I'm a big golf fan, and and that's one thing that what you guys said is like it didn't shine enough light on the the good parts of Tiger's life. Or and and I do agree that maybe it is too early. Like I mean, we just saw him what two months ago playing that that tournament with his son. Yeah, Charlie's like 11 or whatever. Like. That, I mean, was amazing. Charlie was better than half of the guys on the course, probably. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, the comparisons uh, to the last dance, a lot of people at work are saying now, like, oh, have you, you know, have you watched Tiger? No, like, and then the next question someone says is, like, how's it compared to the Michael Jordan one? And and hot hot take, Michael Jordan, the last dance, has ruined sports documentaries. Uh, so it was great uh, don't get me wrong like i loved that era i loved seeing all the footage of everything the history behind it but i think jordan had such a heavy hand in it like all that footage was locked up and he had the final say on if espn could release it like he had total control over that so like obviously if they're gonna paint him in a bad light like he's not gonna say not like he's not gonna give him the footage so like in order for that documentary to go off, like Jordan's playing a huge part in it. Like it never really painted him in a bad light. You've got like a little bit of his gambling past and 
which he quickly like denied and was like, I was just having fun with my dad in Atlantic City, <laughs> not like blowing millions of dollars of my salary. Um, and, and I think like a true documentary, like you have to have both sides of that, you know, nobody's perfect. You gotta have the good, but you also have to have the bad. Like we want the truth. And I don't think we got all the truth from the Jordan one. So, I agree. Me and, me and Casey talked about this when it first came out. I agree with you. I just, I think we're never going to see that. Like, no, I, I think sports documentaries are either going to be one-sided, that's not going to include the person, the subject, or it's going to be all on, under the subject's control. And if I had to pick, I'd probably be more okay with the subject having control of their story. It's their life. Um, and they should be able to share it as, and you obviously have to take it with a grain of salt and it's not stopping other people from, if someone wanted to do a takedown Michael Jordan documentary, it's, yeah. there's information out there. They could go and, and do that and people would eat it up and, and watch it and, and, and take it in. Um, and so it's hard though, because these people have such, and they should have control over their, their lives and, and how they're represented. And, um, it makes sense. It, it sucks. Like you said, like you're not getting that, like the traditional, you know, documentary where you're hearing like, you know, this person talking, that's the subject. And, and then this person talking and, and you're just sharing everything all like together, piecing it together. And you kind of come to a general conclusion. It's, it's going to be one sided one way or the other now. And I think players and athletes and, and celebrities of any kind are generally aware uh, and probably don't like how they are portrayed a lot of times. And if they have the control over that, they're going to take, take, take advantage of it. Like, does anyone believe that Michael Jordan had no say in Isaiah Thomas not making the dream team? <laughs> oh no. Like, but I think, I think that was known, but I think that was known even when Michael said it, like, it was just like, dude, bullshit. Like, I don't believe that. <laughs> At least they had like Isaiah on the dock right. too. For what it's worth. So you get both sides and you can make the decision. I thought that was, the, even if like you, I don't know, there was no other golfer that was interviewed in this Tiger doc. Rocco like, Mediate. Know. That was the only yeah, golfer. Right. And, well, and Nick Fald and Nick Faldo who played against him. He's an like, announcer. He's an yeah. announcer who's not going to say anything. Yeah. Like, he's just not going to really say much because he still announces all these guys on tour. So like where... I mean, it, to your point of it being too soon, like it might be tough with golf too. These guys don't stop, but maybe not Phil, but even like his buddy, Nota Begay, who he played with at Stanford, who's still his friend or Mark O'Mara, who lives next door. They had his wife on for like two seconds, basically just saying, yeah, we heard about the crash and we hope they were okay. Like, no, nah, that was like such a non additive part of the doc. So it's like, can we get his friends who we played with or competitors who played against them to like, saw him in the locker room, anything else on that. But to your point, they wanted to focus on the scandal. I'm sure they spent a lot of their budget on getting Rachel Ucatel to like show up. And I don't think she was super insightful per se. Um, no. You know, some interesting stuff from her, but you know, um, I would have preferred just, I don't know, something else that, and maybe that's, maybe that'll come out if Tiger ever agrees to do his own. You can get maybe some of these guys who played against him or his peers but instead of, you know, the family friend of the woods is when he was five. Right. That was actually. <laughs> Who might have lived next door to Earl. <laughs> right. Exactly. That was, that to your guys' point, I agree. My dislike was how much it was about Tiger and his father 
like in the drama there and then about his basically the sex scandal that came about that's basically what the whole entire second episode is and um and i didn't like that like they didn't focus on the golf side of things like my favorite moment of the doc is when they're talking about 2019 masters and they're like that guy that wrote the book on tiger said i'm gonna try my best to like quote it as best i can but he was like all these guys have talked about wanting to play tiger in the final round of a major tournament and then he just stops and pauses and he goes the fuck you do and it literally shows like the 12th hole i was like that was the best moment of the whole entire doc and i was like that's what you need to focus on. Tiger had that effect. Like they showed Brooks like peeking over right before he tees off to be like, what the hell just happened? Cause the crowd just went nuts on the 16th hole. Like those that's Tiger. That's the Tiger we most know about and see. And I think they breeze through, like they probably only showed like four or five of his actual like uh, major steady one. It was like breeze through like the fact that he won 15. Like it was like, you weren't even addressing some of those like, even 97, I think they breezed through, but that one was like a super impressive. Like, I just want more time there. I think that's what was the most impressive thing about Tiger was his impact on golf and how good he was. Like, you need to show that. Like, you, you breeze through how good of a golfer he was to focus on, like, his relationship with his dad and, and the sex scandal that came about and his, and his downfall. And it was kind of weird to hear it. I felt that most people were, like, rooting for his downfall. It almost felt like. And... And I thought that was strange. Like, why can't, why does someone have to like come crashing down? Like, it was kind of like, oh, the world's going to like take you down a notch because you like conquered the world. It's like, why does it have to? Like, he was just so good. Like, why did it feel like that was necessary? I mean, it's pretty smug throughout his. I mean, I think everybody that's on top, you root for their downfall. I mean, I don't like Tom Brady. I don't like LeBron James particularly. I'd be thrilled. I'm thrilled when I see them lose. Like, I don't want to see their lives come crashing down around them. Like, I'm not cheering for that, but um, maybe because of also an individual sport. I liked, I've liked Tiger all the way through and I've just enjoyed watching him, but I, I do dislike most, like, I don't know, dislike, but I'm kind of rooting against the better or the best sometimes, so. He was pretty smug throughout his career, and maybe he had reasons for being. I'm sure he had his, his own, like, uh, the media's way you have to deal with him all the time. Like, maybe that's something to do with it. But, you know, his, and he's just so good that maybe he can be smug, for lack of a term, or arrogant or cocky. And it's like, well, I guess if you win every time, maybe you have the right to kind of have that entitledish feeling that you're uh, better than everyone because you are on the golf course. Um, I think to Casey's point, I don't. I want him to start losing because to almost make it more interesting, but I didn't, you know, I didn't root for his like personal life to become a hell, you know, disaster. <laughs> like, no, I, just I, want, I, I just don't want him to win. I think the way the doctor portrays it though, is like all these people want his downfall and they were happy that this happened. I'm like, well, I don't think that's like, I think that's misconstruing a lot of people who root in sports is like, yeah, I want Tom Brady to stink. I want him to retire, but I don't actually want him like to, I have something go wrong with his family life, right? I don't really care about that. Like that's not right. my rooting. So well, I think the way the portrays it is how they like. Oh, it's great. Everyone was so. All these people root for it. Here you go. It's like no. I wanted to watch him. Like other people be more competitive, or you know, right. like she's uh, oh, finally forgetting the guy's name of beating the PGA Championship now. Uh, the, uh, that was like, I can't remember his name now. Um, that was like an interesting golf moment when uh, he won, you know, to upset Tiger after he had the 72 hole lead. 
and I'm forgetting yeah. his name. But yeah, I think that's what people root for. But the way the doc fixes it, pictures it. Yeah, I, that was my issue. Is the more with the National Enquirer guy. The but National like, Enquirer is just the, you know that guy yeah. had like his knuckles tattooed. So <laughs> well, it's just, it was just he was an interesting. He was an interesting character looking wise and. Uh, yeah, I think though he's rooting for that type of downfall, right? Because that which, sells more papers for him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's what I just didn't like about it was like they spent so much time there because, and I thought there's more to it to Tiger than that though. Like, I don't know. It just would have been nice to to dive a little bit deeper. Um, Todd, though, I want the one thing I would have loved to see is. Phil, like, I want to see them take this trope from the last dance doc where they show the person, like, the, like, an iPad video of, like, here's this person talking about you. I want to see Phil Mickelson holding the iPad when he learns that Tiger's mom called him the fat man. (laughs) I hope, I hope other documentaries steal that. That's what I hope. that but. personally <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean if if you had to pick who would you most want to hear from obviously tiger tiger's out like we obviously all want to hear from him like but if you could pick any person golfer in his life who would you want to hear from that wasn't included probably elon yeah elon for sure yeah his agent has been there for at least steinberg i want to say his name is but that could be wrong um, I think he uh, was that. He Williams. He was well. No, he was way. in it, and he was actually I. He's in my opinion, he was the best part of the doc because of his relationship with Tiger. Um, because if anyone could talk about, if anyone could talk about his career and him kind of getting fired, essentially, like he he shared all of that. Like he was saying, like Tiger was the best man at my wedding, and all of a sudden. Like he gave me the okay to to caddy for Adam Scott, who's one of my good friends, and then all of a sudden, like a week later, Tiger's like, "You're out." Like if you do this thing, so Mark Steinberg is his agent's name. FYI, Lee is a different agent in other sports. <laughs> yeah, just just to be different from the responses that you said. Obviously, Elon and uh, his agent, obviously having that relationship would be an interesting one. I think his mom. I- I'd love to hear that, and I think. In the future, like I say, this doc, like Tiger's last dance doc comes out like 10 years, 20 years from now. His son and his daughter. And his daughter, too. Yeah, his kids. I was going to say that, too. If you go down the line. Yeah, I mean, just, just to hear what they thought. My assumption with why I said his son is because I feel like, Todd, you already mentioned this. He's going to be a good golfer. And I think if anything's going to happen, Tiger's going to release that because Charlie's probably – making pace of of catching into a similar like major record probably and i think you know he'd want to be like sharing like because i want to see tiger how he handled this like he had such a strong connection with his dad it was a love hate kind of relationship and and i want to know how tiger is handling charlie and his interest in golf and his clear talent and if he's doing similar things or being completely different um from his from how his father handled everything and that would be an, an an uninteresting thing to see Tiger with as his like career was kind of coming to it's getting towards the end um, and seeing how that goes. 
but the other thing um, I would want to hear is he had, in my opinion, there are three very impressive performances from Tiger: the '97 Masters, the 2008 U.S. Open. I love that they actually spent time in this one, though. I didn't realize how broken his leg was and that it was for as long as it was. Um, like I didn't know that happened in like the first round, and he could, just kept playing. I, I thought it was like a last round thing, and he just had to like finish up. Um, or the 2019 Masters, if you had to pick between those three, what would you say is the more impressive performance? I think I'll, I always lean towards the Masters in for anybody's career. So I think I'll go 2019 Masters. Um, I think we're seeing the toll his career has taken on his body. Um, I mean, he's just, he's had to recreate his swing because he just can't use the same torque, different things like that. I know he wasn't limping around with a broken leg, um, like the open, but, um, yeah, I gotta go with the 2019 masters. Todd, what about you? Um, of those three, I'd probably go with 97, 97 masters. Um, I mean, he won by a million. Yeah. I mean, 12 strokes. I looked it up, <laughs> but, but I, I think that one was bigger for like golf. I, th- I believe that's the, he's the first non-white winner at augusta yeah i think just for like the game of golf in general that was bigger and, and i think it 90 i know he's the first one. i think 97 was that that year um i'll go with that one of, of those three if you have another one throw it in i know steve's gonna throw in a, a non of those I'm three sure picks so yeah i'm gonna go with the 2000 u.s open outside of those at pebble where he's the only guy under par um you know, I think the way they set up the U.S. Opens historically, and even I think we've seen recently, I think Brooks or Bryson won at six under, or I think this past one, and the next closest was maybe Wolf at two. Um, to go low under par at any of these venues is incredible. I think he was 12 under when he won. Next closest is about, I think, a few over par. Um, so I think just that one always sticks out. And I think it's part of his Tiger Slam, too. I'm pretty sure that would be the beginning beginning of it the way the math would work it would go that then open championship pga masters and no one so um that's my pick otherwise i would have to go of your three i'd probably pick the 97 masters but um i i still think 2000 us open when you me the only guy under par not even just the only on one under but double digits under par and of course or all these other world cup golfers aren't really even close uh it's pretty impressive yeah i I, i'm with casey and i agree though the u.s that u.s open performance is is really impressive um but i and i hate that it's recency bias bias it feels like recency bias because it was just in 2019 but i think it was the idea that no one expected it to happen and it was like seeing tiger of old like everything about it, like people getting nervous because they're like playing with him and make making mistakes and him kind of just being that stoic person that we've seen forever. Um, and I think the emotional side of it, like I, you felt it, like th- you don't feel that all the time, but like it was one of those moments where you were getting goosebumps, you were getting teared up, like seeing him hug his son and, and his daughter and, and his mom and, and just seeing him win again and come back from everything that he went through. Um, when everyone was saying it wasn't going to happen. 
it, it makes it hard not to pick that one despite the recency bias of it it's still just a incredible performance by by him to to be able to make that happen um any favorite tiger mo- memories or moments though i mean that chip on whatever masters it was 2005 yeah yeah <laughs> so that was on the golf channel recently and then you just look at uh, he's going against demarco at the point how sh- I think DeMarco has about an eight-footer for birdie, and the way they place that hole, it's a common like putt. These guys practice a bunch. I'm sure he had to read down, and then after Tiger chips, I'm pretty sure he just whiffs. Um, <laughs> just the shell shock look on his face, uh, that always sticks out to me. This guy's like, oops, I guess I'm not winning today. Yeah. Up, I think if you go back and look, I think DeMarco's up by like two going into that hole or something, and it's 16. It was and, the uh, opposite. Like Tiger goes up by like two, and he falls apart in the last two holes, and they go to a playoff. Oh, that's okay. There was a weird. I knew there's something weird where you think that Tiger just waltzes to victory after that, or something, and Tiger doesn't. He bogeys 18, maybe. There's something weird how that sticks out in the. You remember that shot, and then I just always assume he went So maybe you're right. He did uh, win right. still, so it's yeah, a, the, right. He does shot. win, but it's yeah. <laughs> but Demarco fought back hard, so like give. Give Chris DeMarco his due, a yeah. gator for Todd. Uh, yeah, I I had that moment too. Uh, it's just so memorable. I think for all of us, we were like 15, so it was like right in our prime of like where we'd be like super into sports and have nothing else really going on in our lives, um, and just be watching Sports Center and seeing that moment. And I think just all of the pieces of it, it looked absurd just because of the placement and how that hole works. He's not even aiming it anywhere remotely near the hole. He needs it to stop at the exact point that the ball stops to start going down the the um, down the hill towards the hole, and then just the ball stopping in general, like everyone thinking like, "Ah, oh, shit!" Like that was so close. Like it needs one more rotation, and then you get that little like one to two second pause, and then it it drops right in, and the crowd goes nuts. Um, Casey or Todd, do you guys have a favorite? I mean, I think the images from when he played media, you know, like him limping down the course that playoff was awesome and Rocco was kind of a nobody so you had that underdog story um I think there's just a ton of images from that tournament alone that are super memorable um from that but I I I think that chip is just nuts so I think the putt in 08 that the force the playoff against Rocco like the that's iconic as you're just saying the images like his celebration is anytime you see Tiger, it's like it's the chip and it's the OA putt. Like those are the two things you visualize when you see him. Um, but a Does that have the announcer? Is that the announcer that says expect anything different? Is that that iconic yeah. Nance yeah. call? Yeah. Um, but I, I think a little more recency too is the Ryder Cup when he was a captain and mm. he was also playing. Like there's a lot of cool cool stories from that of, of just um you know he's he's playing is his back 100 percent, but he's also at the same time like on the course like delegating you know who's gonna play in these these matchups in the afternoon like there's a lot going on there i thought that was that was really cool to, to witness was it Ryder cup or was it president's cup now i'm like president's cup president's cup um, Easier to win that one for the U.S. Historically, <laughs> that's probably recency bias, but but that that was cool for me to, to witness. Um, 
but that oh wait the putt to force the playoff is just bananas for me yeah i in the doc um i another one that's also a recency bias is that moment when he's rock walking with rory in that 2018 tournament where he wins for the first time since he's been back and all the crowd is right behind him i wish the doc they kind of just breezed over that and just kind of showed it as just like a background video of, of them talking about tiger's return um they didn't really talk about the fact that he won and it was the first time but that was such an incredible moment just seeing how excited he was the crowd was like going nuts um that and then the run the putt that he hits in the masters i think it's it might be the one that steve you already mentioned in 2001 where he runs after it like immediately like he hits it and he just starts chasing a, after uh, i think it's a pga or us open oh wasn't the masters no, uh, that's. I think it's a PGA Championship. I know what you're talking about. It goes like this yep. or something. Yeah, he starts it. chasing it down. It's yeah. like dark out and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say it's the PGA that they showed in the dock where he hits the last shot in the like complete darkness. You're right. I think it's that same tournament and that he wins. So I think it was a PGA, um, but I'd have to I'd have to fact check that one. Yeah, Casey I think... on it. <laughs> that makes sense though. I. Uh... That was just another iconic Tiger moment, though. Um, no, I'm excited. I, I, I hope I really enjoyed this. It was just spending time with, you know, famous athletes that have, we've grown up with. It was just fun to to dive back through that world again. And um, I hope they do. I I wouldn't surprise me at all if Tiger does his own version of it. And, and I'd be really excited to hear that story from him um, and hear that story about his and his father's relationship um you know the the whole sex scandal from his perspective which we don't really know because this guy is super private and that's actually the reason why we might not ever get it um this guy has not been able to be private about anything in his most of his life and maybe this is the thing he'll always want to keep private um but i think it would be a really exciting and I, i they could easily do 10 parts i know casey you said maybe four or five i would watch a 10 part tiger documentary no problem no, I would too. Absolutely. Um, I just think what they covered, you could have broken down into four parts. And I mean, yeah, there's a lot more you could have gone through um, for sure. Is there any other athlete that you can think of right now you'd want a version of this for? Current. LeBron will do one. He will do one. Do you want it? I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brady will do one because he's got a media company. Brady is you want that? Do you want that too? I don't want to watch out for Brady, I think. <laughs> what I want to watch? The Tua one in 20 years. <laughs> did, they did that. Brady. There was a Tua doc. There was a Tua doc actually that came out <laughs> that he was a part of right? After, based on his time in Alabama. But a longer one for Tua would be nice. Steve, I want a Dan Marino one. You know, who I'd be... that one. <laughs> you know who I'd be interested in? Uh, Michael Phelps. I think that'd be an interesting one. I just can't think of this. These people you're mentioning are going to do them. I don't think I want them or I, I don't care about them. I don't them. think they're I'll super like, intriguing, I guess. I'll watch point. them. Yeah. But like from a, a Olympic athlete, the most successful Olympic athlete that's dealt with his own struggles uh, with mental health and even like the whole, the whole smoking scandal and stuff like that. I think just someone as talented as that and a sport that you don't really hear a lot about um, swimming, uh, Casey, uh, or 
did you take sports lit at NFA with? Yep. Did you read that book like Gold in the Water or whatever it was? Nope. Oh, it's a book about Olympic swimmers and like the whole training aspect of that. That's it's nuts. Their training regi- um, regimen, it's it's insane. Um, so it'd just be that'd be an interesting one. Just uh, throwing a, an odd one out there because there's obviously the obvious ones, but I think that would be an interesting one to I'd be into watching. A lot of guys that I would want like a thirty for thirty on, but not necessarily like a huge documentary. Um, like who? Because there are like a ton of uh, just like random people. Like I mean, I'm sure there probably is a Ryan Leaf one. Um, oh, yeah, Fred Taylor. Was, he wants the yeah, Fred Taylor doc. Taylor <laughs> <laughs> not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Snub. Byron Leftwich. <laughs> Byron Leftwich, great quarterback. I'm surprised none of these uh, the baseball steroid guys have done one. I'm sure oh, baseball. Done. Like a Barry Bonds. Watch like a Barry yeah. Bonds documentary. Clemens. I know that like the Sosa McGuire, 30 for 30. Um, I mean, that, those two alone could, uh, that 99, was it 98 or 99? The home yeah. run chase there, like that could be a documentary. Um, but some there's like people out there that are just like there's so many interesting stories that like don't require a full documentary but would be cool for just a thirty for thirty. Barry Bonds would be a cool one. I, that was a good. That was Bonds a good would idea. Be a good documentary. I always forget about baseball. So <laughs> <laughs> is all of America. <laughs> I know. Uh, the other uh, Diana Taurasi would be another fascinating one. Or Sue Bird. Either of those two. Yeah. I only all throw. Done, all they've I, done is win. So, I mean, well, this Tarazi story would be. I've been saying this is like a really talented, but she played in Russia too and stuff like that. So just to hear that journey and and just the longevity that she's had with it too. Um, WNBA athletes probably actually have more interesting. They're not. A, you don't know the story as well. I'm sure they're crazy stuff that's gone. They have to go overseas to play. The way the mm-hmm. WNBA like contracts all as teams contracts teams like on the pay scale and all that um you know just what it's like to be even the best women's basketball player ever and how that completely is what that's even like because i have no idea right maya moore would be the one i'd want after being Mm. so successful and then diving into this uh post career of actually getting her husband you know activism yeah yeah, I think that'd be interesting. Then Della Don dealing with the Lyme disease and different things like that. I think those are two interesting storylines in the WNBA. Well, maybe just a WNBA doc in general would be a, like a super interesting yeah, thing. Women's basketball in general, like, I mean, they don't. If you look at other sports, they don't get an off season really because they make no. all their money playing overseas. So you you go, you play your your WNBA season May, late April, early May. If you're successful, you play into October, and then literally like your season ends and you're overseas and you're playing. Literally, a bunch of them don't even come back for training camps. They come back like when the WNBA season starts. So like, that's a you're you're 365 days a year like on. Whereas where else in professional sports do you like not have an off season? You know, so it's it's just an interesting take and and I'm I'm sure we're gonna get one especially now like there have been so many discussions and and 
and whatnot about the the pay disparity and and all that and they they are making progress it's it's nowhere close to where it should be but progress is happening so that's good and and i think it's only a matter of time before if not a full documentary but at least a 30 for 30 on women's basketball in general yeah and i think to, to your point too like they're kind of the athletes that have spearheaded the activism within their like they they were way ahead of it casey you mentioned maya moore that was something that she she did i think it was like four or five years ago is when she started doing that um and then the other players i think the atlanta dream was able to i think kelly loffler is in the process of selling the team after her whole entire team basically wanted encourage everyone else to vote for her opponent in the senate race so like it's been pretty successful from from their side of things so um plus all the lgbtq uh stuff that they have within their their sport as well so there's just a lot of of elements to cover with with them so i think yeah there's a lot you can't just do a focus on one i think you'd have to cover the whole entire sport uh, or i would just be really interested in the whole sport itself but um interesting the only other name i'll throw out there is kd just because i think uh his story is interesting how he went from the thunder to the warriors and how that kind of changed and how we'll see how the rest of his career plays out but um that'd be interesting i just want to hear more about that draymond blow up and how that like forced him to leave that amazing team <laughs> which, which one of the burner accounts do you want to hear from i, I want to hear about that shit too <laughs> i want all of it dude that's why he's like you'd be an interesting one to hear from but uh, so we'll see what ends up happening there. Um, I'm hoping for a, a Tiger-led documentary, though. That'd be fun. Um, so that's it for t- us this week. Thank you for Todd and Steve joining us along the way. Hope you guys had some fun, and uh, we will uh, talk to you guys probably next week and recap uh, everything that happened in sports and whatever else. And me and Casey will continue our Parks and Rec rewatch uh, following everything here. So... Thanks again, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon.